0: Out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Woo! that. Silence it a little bit. Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Stump up. It. Pop pass up the middle. Tucker's got a Room to run. 15, 10. Hit! hit in! For a a touchdown! The Bills make me wanna shout! Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It go oh, to the end zone! Stephon Diggs makes a catch! Touchdown, Buffalo! Swing in a miss. It is over! The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On The Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. That's right, we're on the air. On The Block ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. In our first show of 2023, and uh, sorry to disappoint if you were waiting for the usual start of the show, kick off uh, 2023 in our usual style, but um, certainly wouldn't feel right to start the show in the normal way. Here, our hearts are heavy as we start the show today, uh, thinking about uh, Damar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills, of course, and something that we've uh, certainly all seen or experienced in some way uh, since it happened last night. And the discussions uh, continue uh, throughout the afternoon and throughout the day. And as we continue to await news on DeMar Hamlin, we will uh, certainly pass along anything that we hear, anything new. Uh, As of uh, now at this hour, uh, he remains in critical condition uh, at a Cincinnati hospital. Uh, There's been a lot of uh, tributes. There's been a lot of amazing discussion today. About this, uh, people that have really offered things on this that you know have touched the heart, and you know the outpouring of support that we've seen for his charity, for him, for the Buffalo Bills, for Bills Mafia, uh, just some incredible things today. So we will uh, discuss that for sure. We will get into some other things, you know, as we begin 2023. Syracuse basketball, of course, has a game tonight. Against Louisville, uh, Matt McGavick will join us here this hour from Louisville Report to tell us just what in the world has happened to Louisville basketball. I, I every time I look at that record, every time I see something come across my timeline, and I see Louisville at two and twelve, and what is happening, I just one word comes to mind, and it's a simple word, but and a simple question that maybe Matt can help us out with: How? How does Louisville basketball go from a national championship 10 years ago to where they are now? And, again, a little perspective there. As much as Syracuse basketball fans want to kind of grumble about certain things that have happened with the program, uh, they're not 2-12, right? So the old it could be worse uh, certainly comes into play when you see what's going on with Louisville. Uh, We will discuss that with Matt. Not only Syracuse men's basketball and that matchup, I'm going to stick around and do pregame for that game right after this uh, show. at 6 o'clock tonight, so plenty of discussion on that through the afternoon. Tuesdays on the block, presented by Bill Rapp Superstore and Wegmans. We hear from Syracuse women's basketball head coach Felicia Leggett-Jack. We will talk to Coach Jack later in the show about 5-15. They came oh so close to knocking off a top-six team at the Dome on sunday before that speaking of Louisville a really close game tooth and nail with you know one of the better teams in the ACC and a team that's you know been historically good and recently good and uh, so close but no cigar but certainly some huge strides taken by coach Jack's team as they're now into the thick of ACC play as well so we're always uh, looking forward to uh that conversation and the boost we get from coach Jack And we will do that. We'll go on the blind side and catch up a little bit after the break. But uh, certainly where we start today is, is what we all saw on Monday Night Football last night. And just everything that comes from that. Starting with this, we have now seen the other side of the line that we never wanted to see. Look, we sign off on this as football fans. People that play football that are involved in football, that watch football. You know this can happen. It's strangely, for a sport that's as inherently violent as football is, doesn't happen as often as you would think it would. Now, this was not caused by a violent hit, per se. This was caused just by someone being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It would appear to be, as medical experts look at this, just a freak occurrence that happens on that field last night. So this is not in the traditional conversations we have about injuries and concussions and the impact of violence in football, but we sign off on that. Every football game we watch is a high wire act, literally sometimes between life and death. And every time we watch a football game and we don't see the cart come out, we don't see the stretcher come out. And in some extreme cases, we don't see the ambulance come out you kind of quietly breathe a sigh of relief. But when it does happen and it's that sobering reality, we have a routine for that. The trainers come out, they attend to the player, they put him on the cart. some cases, and they're very stringent about this now. I'm glad this has become standard operating procedure when, you know, nine out of ten times it feels like, even though that person is strapped to some board and there's, you know, they're all... Protected, They give you the thumbs up on the way out. And 10 minutes later, the sideline reporter on the broadcast says, oh, and they have a feeling in their extremities again. Or he's doing good. He's out for the game. But uh, you have clarity. You know what's going on. Right. Even if it's something serious. Right. They've been diagnosed with a concussion or we know what the injury is. It's just baked into the recipe. We just know. What we saw last night is something we've never seen on a football field. And you knew right away. Now, I had a unique experience with this. As I didn't see it, I heard it. I was listening on K Rock, our brother station that carries Buffalo Bills games, with Chris Brown and Eric Wood. And side note, our friend John Murphy did not call the game last night because he was feeling under the weather, so we send our best to Murph and hope he's doing well today. And I'm listening to Chris Brown and Eric Wood describe this, and even in the moment, you could tell something was different. The urgency in which the trainers came out, how quickly the ambulance was out there, and then they started to describe, and I later saw these images, but even in that moment, and I commend them for the job that they did relaying this because it could not have been easy. It, not only easy from what you're dealing with emotionally, but hard to describe from their vantage point and what they were trying to relay to their listeners and just taking in replays and uh, Sal Capaccio, our friend who we have on so often on the show, did an incredible job describing everything from what they were seeing on the field. And then you literally couldn't see because they encircled Hamlin as they should. And it became, you know, the situation it was, but you just knew this was different. And you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting because we have been trained to get, oh, there's the thumbs up. The crowd starts getting into it when they see, maybe loaded onto the ambulance, or just this sport has this so baked into it, which again, I'm not criticizing. We all accept this. We all sign off on this. It's in the fine print, but sometimes the fine print is in big, bold letters on page one. It always is for football. But even with that, we have not seen this. We have not heard about this. We've heard about it in other sports. You, know, you think about Hank Gathers, and you think it's not directly related to what happened to DeMar Hamlin. But you know, wrestling fans know when Owen Hart passed away. In the, you know, they were working on him doing CPR, and it's when this convergence of You know, sports is supposed to be an escape from reality, but that's the other high wire act here. You know, this whole thing about sports takes us away from reality. It can, and it often does, but that's a very thin line we're straddling. And we watch these football players who are supposed to be kind of the epitome of modern day gladiators, the epitome of toughness. And you see the look on Josh Allen's face, and you see the tears streaming down from Stefan Diggs, and I can go through too many examples. From what we saw last night. And we're snapped back into reality. And it sounds stupid. But we are snapped back into the thought that these are human beings. And there's DeMar Hamlin's mother who's got to come out of the stands. And ride with him to the hospital. This is a 24-year-old kid who, look, the accepted reality of football. Why is DeMar Hamlin on the field? Because a teammate of his earlier this season had to be carted off the field because of a neck injury. That's often how we see and get to know these players. Nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, but unless you were a diehard Buffalo Bills fan or maybe a fan of Pittsburgh football, you didn't know who DeMar Hamlin was before last night. This is how we get introduced to great stories like this. We heard about Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Diggs and and just how huge that matchup was and how everything was on the line, right? And then we truly found out what was on the line the life of a 24-year-old football player. Because, see, the NFL, it prides itself on this. It prides itself on Next Man Up. And there was that time. So they worked on Hamlin on the field for 16 minutes. They had to do CPR for nine minutes. They had to use a defibrillator to get his heart beating before they even left and they were they had him stabilized and had to locate his family and you know the details of that are are starting to come out so then there's this unprecedented world where we're not only do we think this game is not going to continue the consensus becomes from anybody with any shred of compassion You can't play this game. You can't. As much as those players have seen injuries and have seen things and are trained and are it's just ingrained in them. Yep, next man up, let's go. Card a guy off, get right back out there. Snap into it. Clear the mechanism. Let's go. That clearly was not possible last night. Now, there's some disputes out there about the five minutes. I am going to give Joe Buck the benefit of the doubt. here. Joe Buck, who was in a state of shock like anybody else, and I want to talk about the broadcast later on because there are so many people on ESPN last night that did a phenomenal job in just an impossible circumstance. I don't want to talk about some schmuck who tweeted something and then tried to talk his way out of that on TV today. I'm not going to focus on him. I'm going to focus on the people that did an incredible job in an impossible spot. But we'll get to that a little bit later on. So there was this thought that as ESPN is in communication with the NFL, and remember, I'll give the NFL the benefit of the doubt here. This is unprecedented. This is an emergency. People are panicking. Like, there's no handbook for this, even for a league That's best at this. No one just moves on and turns the page better than the National Football League. Injuries, next man up. Weather, just move the game. The Bills have literally been through this twice this year. When they had to get out of Buffalo somehow to play Cleveland in Detroit, they had to leave to play the Chicago Bears on New Year's Eve a day early. And then they came back to one of the worst storms in the history of that city. Holidays, you say? No, we, we own holidays. You ever hear of Thanksgiving? That's our day. And this year, they said, yeah, we'll take Christmas Eve and Christmas, too. Nothing stops the machine known as the National Football League. Nothing does until last night. Now, there have been historic occasions, 9-11, hurricanes and things that have moved games or temporarily hit the pause button, but the actual context of the game itself. So even within that context of we're kind of trying to figure out what to do here. And Joe Buck mentions on the broadcast that yeah, we're giving five minutes, get back out there. Who would doubt that the NFL would do that? Who would doubt that? And look, because that's what they've always done. That's not, A full criticism there. That's just what the NFL does. But quickly, and thank goodness for people like Sean McDermott and people like Zach Taylor, and I shouldn't even have to say this, but cooler heads prevail. Rationale prevails. But again, it's routine. I don't blame them for this. It's just muscle memory to keep going in this circumstance. But they knew, uh uh-uh, we can't play. And they sent the teams to the locker room and what should have happened, happened, or in this case, did not happen. They did not play the rest of that game. The NFL said today, they're not going to play that game this week, nor do they know if they're going to make it up. And who cares if they do, who cares? Now football is going to move on and football is going to play this weekend. And eventually you've got to take that next step. And, That's completely understandable, and I think that's what people want to see happen. And until we know what's happening with DeMar Hamlin, and again, the latest is he's still in critical condition, that's going to change the tenor of this conversation. But I think we all changed a little bit last night. We're not going to stop watching football and some of these things I think we say often, but you can't help but feel different today. This feels different, and it is different. In so many ways. I want to tell you who I'm thinking about today. Beyond the obvious. Of course, we're thinking about DeMar, his family, people that love him, people close to him, the Buffalo Bills. And what an incredible gesture today by so many. The NFL, every team changed their avatar on Twitter to pray for DeMar. And the donations that have come in for his charity, the GoFundMe page, which was raising money to help his foundation, which partially helped his mother's daycare center, but just his foundation in general. I mean, that thing's over $3 million now. And I could even be behind. Showing that, look, people at, at their very best, people are flawed, and we talk a lot about that. And But, man, when something like this happens, you see the best. Was it Mr. Rogers who once said... You know, look for the helpers in situations like this. That's what I'm thinking about today. I'm thinking about that medical personnel. Now, this is a National Football League game. The best of the best are there. They trained for this, and they were ready. There, frankly, probably could not have been a better place for DeMar Hamlin to be than in that stadium, just a short drive away from what people tell me is an excellent hospital just an excellent trauma center, and if you want to put him somewhere, people say UC Medical Center is is one of the best places he can be. But the medical personnel that made those snap decisions, that trained for this, when everybody else doesn't know what to do, they shine, and they know exactly what to do and how to do it. You know, I'm thinking about T. Higgins today. Not his fault, but he was involved in that play, and he can't help but feel something today. There was a an amazing shot of him walking out last night with his mother, and you can't help but think about him and what he's thinking and what he's feeling today. I'm thinking about the people of Buffalo. In the last nine months, what that city has been through, look, Buffalo is as tough as they come. And the people out there, the city of good neighbors, right? I can't say enough great things about the people of western New York. And I'm a central New York boy, and I will fight in that army for the rest of my life. But having spent a lot of time in Buffalo, in western New York, and just the unique aspect of the people there. Think about what they've been through in just the last nine months. The shooting at Tops. Two historic Snow events that a city that prides itself on handling snow could not handle it. The second one caused so many deaths and was beyond even what they could handle. There was a tragic story recently of a, of a fire in Buffalo where five children died. Right. And now you add Demar Hamlin in there. Kim Bagul has been going through some health issues, just the day to day struggles that people have. In life, that's a lot. That's a lot for people to take. And I'm really thinking about them and sending all the love and thoughts and prayers that that you possibly can. Because that's too much. That's a lot on even the toughest of people that pride themselves on taking adversity, handling it, making the best of it. That's a lot. That's a lot. And I'm leaving some people out of this discussion. Like I said, I want to get to people that handled this on television last night because I th- I thought it was extraordinary. There were those that did it wrong, and there were those that did it right. And this happens when you're in this situation. But that's what we're thinking about today. And it was that firm reminder of that line that you straddle when you watch sports, particularly when you watch football that we all sign off on, but we don't want to deal with. And what we saw last night was what finally can shut down something that prides itself on never stopping. And maybe you never want to see this happen. You never, ever want to see this happen to anybody. But I feel like we've come this far down the road and the fact that something like that had not happened. I mean, it's a testament to a lot of things, the sport, the safety, but you can't completely avoid it. This was inevitable and we finally saw it happen. And now we know what it's like to experience that and never want to experience again. But I think what we saw last night was that fear that was always there. We've seen a lot of injuries. We've seen a lot of bad situations. We've seen Eric LeGrand, a Buffalo Bills fan, certainly remember seeing somebody paralyzed down the field. Like, we've seen that. We've seen the effects of concussions in the older players. And this isn't new. This isn't new. This is what football can do. Now, this could have happened anywhere. It happened to be a collision, happened to be a football play, and, you know, that accelerated the process and what could happen to what we saw happen to DeMar Hamlin last night. And it's that sobering reality and that that reminder of what can happen in competitive sports, particularly in football. And there's some things we can do, and people are doing it today, and we just did it, you know, just talking about this for the last 15 minutes. I know it's kind of helped me, and I know it helps some people just to talk it out and to process it. And this happened on Monday Night Football. The whole country saw this, and if they didn't see it, they loop back somehow, some way, and have heard about it and have discussed it today, right? Sports can bond us together, but, you know, sports can also be a shared experience in, like, who in the world when they went into that football game last night thought this would be the conversation we're having today, the, the unprecedented roads that sports can take you down. They can be amazing but they can also be as sobering as it gets. And that's kind of how we're feeling today as we pray for DeMar and hope he comes through this. And that's really all I can say right now is we're hoping for the best. That's really all you can say at this point. So we'll keep an eye on it. There's been updates throughout the day. If anything significant breaks throughout the show, Uh, We'll certainly tell you about it. We are going to discuss some other things, as we brought up earlier with Syracuse playing tonight with our interviews set to go and some other things that are on the table with uh, Syracuse-Louisville pregame coming up at 6 o'clock as well. So not the uh, show we foresaw to start 2023, but that's uh, the hand that we were dealt, and uh, we'll play it as best as we can, right? Let us break on that note. We're going to get our stock market update coming up. We're going to chat with somebody next who can tell us what exactly has happened to Louisville, because I don't know and I can't figure it out, but Syracuse got to play him tonight. So we will get into all that. We thank you for being here as we start year 21 of On the Block, believe it or not, here in 2023. ESPN, Syracuse, We're back after this. Stay right there. WTLA North Syracuse, WSGO Oswego, W249 BC Mattydale, W261 AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on (laughs) QSportstalk.com. This is On The Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back, friends. Great to have you on board here on The Block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Happy New Year for a show of 2023. Certainly our hearts are heavy today. We think about DeMar Hamlin. We think about the Buffalo Bills and so many people whose hearts are heavy today. we await uh, word on DeMar, the latest we have is the Buffalo Bills put out today. The the family put out a statement today thanking people for their donations to his charity, thanking people for the support. He's still in critical condition at a Cincinnati hospital. That has not changed. He's in the ICU at this point, and they're doing tests, and, and he's under very good medical care, but there hasn't been a change or really an improvement in his status, if you will, from what we saw from last night. But if anything comes out on that, we'll we'll certainly let you know as everybody is uh, kind of on pins and needles, just waiting for the latest on DeMar Hamlin. And I would put myself on that list as a uh, Buffalo Bills fan and somebody who knows how Bills fans and Bills Mafia is just thinking about him today as, as everybody is everybody out there, the entire national football league changed uh, their avatars on Twitter to pray for DeMar. And just, uh, there's so many things out there. I can't even list them all right now i think everybody out there today in some way shape or form is thinking about him and you know we're hoping for the absolute very best so keep thinking about him keep sending uh, good thoughts and good vibes and prayers and you know whatever it is you do if you pray or you don't uh, please send some good vibes his way and buffalo's way and hopefully he'll come out of this is we saw something last night that you know, we've never seen even in a sport where routine is injury and injuries are routine and it's just we become used to that process right so We'll continue to monitor that. Felicia get jacks coming up in a few minutes. Looking forward to that conversation. Catching up after a couple of great games, albeit not wins, but some great games for the women's basketball team in uh, Louisville and NC State. And their last two, we'll get to that coming up, thanks to Bill Rapp Superstore and Wegmans. Uh, we're going to get much more into Syracuse-Louisville on pregame tonight at 6 o'clock, but I just wanted to share a couple thoughts here off the bat. First of all, we saw the Benny Williams game. We've all been waiting. I've seen Joe Girard score 24 points. I have seen Judah Mintz do Judah Mintz things, and I just cannot say enough about the game Judah Mintz plays. Third ACC Rookie of the Week award, which maybe that gets a little tougher that we're in the midst of league play here, but that has, he's won it three times. How he recovers from mistakes, he's fearless, and you look up at the box score at the end of every game, and that dude's just jamming it full of the stuff that matters. Right, And I think he tolerates some of the mistakes and the freshman things because he learns and he gets better and he's just got that dog in him. And just the way he plays has been incredible. What we have heard time and again from Jim Beheim in his post-game press conferences is the lack of effort that he's been getting from the forward position, the criticism of, in particular, Benny Williams and Chris Bell. So as Steve brought up last hour, and I brought it up on this show, well, if they're not playing to their capability, then you've got to change things up. If that's playing more man-to-man defense, if that's... And nobody in their right mind was saying don't play him at all. But if they're not delivering with what they have to do at a basic effort level, then you've got to question how you're playing them, right? Time and again, this is what Jim Beheim has done. Benny has a great game. And then Jim goes to his press conference after the BC game, and he says this. It's disturbing to me when people make judgments about who should play when they don't know what practice is. Practice is important. Benny's the best player in practice every day at the forward position, every day. Has he been the best player in the game? He hasn't been great, but he is our best forward. People don't see any of that. People comment on what we're doing. They not only don't come to practice, they don't come to games. You can't not come to a game and think you can judge what's going on out there. There's just no way you can see it on your TV. Benny's very capable of being a double-double guy. He hasn't shown that. He's had a couple games, but he hasn't shown that. But he's our best forward. All right, let's address a couple things there. Number one, the practice thing. The media is not allowed to practice. You open up practice, I'll be there. You tell me what time, I'm there with bells on. Now, often this team practices in the afternoon. I'm a little busy in the afternoon doing this show, but someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but from the latest I know, the media is not allowed to practice. That used to be the case. I think that changed with COVID. Maybe they're relaxing some of those policies, but don't tell me I don't know what's going on at practice when I can't go to practice. I'm relying on you. I'm relying on other people that are there. I mean, I can certainly get reports on what's going on at practice. But if Jim's saying, you know, you can't make judgments based on that. Yeah, because I don't get to see it. So I think that's a ridiculous criticism. Well, you don't know what's going on at practice. Well, let me come to practice. I'll be there. Even if it's during this show, which it often is. It's not always, but it's often in the afternoon. I got criticized for that a while ago. And I had a direct conversation with somebody at Syracuse about that. Well, you're never at practice. Yeah, what time do you practice? Uh, usually, like, in the afternoon. Yeah, what am I doing in the afternoon? A little hard. I'd love to do the show at practice. Let's do it. Let's set up a, a little radio studio. I'll do it from Coach Beheim's office. I'll I'll be there. So I don't think that's fair to point at you. Know, you're not at practice. Yeah, Because we're not allowed. Again, please correct me if I'm wrong there, and I'll be there. Number two, you can't see these things on TV. I'm sorry. Yes, you can. Now, being there in person is a different experience. There's value to that. And speaking as somebody who does not cover as many games in person as I used to, and that's a long, drawn-out story I don't want to get into, it's some work responsibility things. Long story short, it's easier for me to do the job that I do at home. I often do my job at home, watching games, tweeting, some behind-the-scenes coverage that I won't bore you with. I do a post-game show on uh, Facebook and YouTube that's easier for me to do at home for a myriad of reasons. Covering games in person is important. I get that, and I feel like I'm going to get back to that this year, doing that more in circumstances I haven't been able to in the past. But I'm sorry, often it's not. When I'm at home, I can rewind, I've got replays, I can look at things two, three, four times that people in the building do not. I will get text messages, I will get messages otherwise from people in the building often. Hey, what happened there? Can you watch that again? What? Ha-? So don't tell me I can't see what I can't see if I'm not there, that's nonsense. If anything, I've got a better view. Some of the, and I can only speak from the media perspective here, if you've got, you know, the Adam Weissman seats, yeah, good for you. <laughs> Shout out to Paul sibilia Paul, we break Paulie's chops all the time. He's got one of the best seats in the house, sitting there courtside. That's a perspective I trust from Paulie because he's right there. Great. But there are media seats and some other seats that are non-media that, you know what people do? They watch the big screen. I'm not going to go to the Dome to watch TV because I can't see the game otherwise. If if you're at certain angles from certain certain media seats there and the opposing bench stands up, you literally can't see the court. So tell me again why it's better for me to be there. Now, again, I think that's a fair criticism from Jim if that's pointed at me or other people. Like, you got to be there. And I'm not there as often as I need to be, and that's fair. But don't tell me, like, I'm (laughs) watching – You know, the game, like fixing the bunny ears, like, oh, I I got a clear picture. I can see what's going on. Now, if anything, I have an advantage watching on television with the angles, the replays, and the things that I get there that I don't get at the Dome. So I'm sorry, like this whole, like, you're not a practice thing. Well, let me come to practice, and then I can formulate an opinion. It's not going to be an opinion maybe you'll agree with. It's certainly not going to be a better opinion. And I'll say this as I say it a hundred times. And I'm about to talk to a head coach in a few minutes. Jim Beheim and Felicia Ligat-Jack have forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know. But as somebody whose job it is to observe this team on a daily basis and commentate on it, as Jim said, people that comment on this team, I feel like I do everything I possibly can. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. But I feel like I do everything I can to at least have a knowledgeable opinion about this team. Not always right. No way, no how, but, you know, I'm, I, I think I do my job. I'm just going to say that. Should I be at more games in person? That's a fair criticism. But there's reasons why I'm not. And it's, again, I'm not, you know, I, you remember the old days? Certain cable channels would come in like scrambled and you're like, oh, I think I can see it. No, I've got a, you know, a television at home that's in HD that I can see the game and I can see Benny Williams have the game that you have been calling for time and again. Why would I have to be there to come on the radio and have the opinion of, Hey, Benny Williams, 16 and 11. I think this is what Jim beheim has been calling for. And again, at press conference after press conference, he's been trashing these guys. Then he comes to that press conference and says, well, you don't know what you're talking about because you're not a practice. What? That does not make any sense. And I'll reiterate here. Let me come to practice. I'll be there. We'll break. We'll come back. Maybe Felicia will Jack will let me come to practice. They often practice early in the morning. So we're going to have to negotiate that start time. <laughs> we will talk to Coach Jack coming up. Stay right there.